Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right, it's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, William Davis will join us to discuss Super Gut. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world famous question a week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. Science Show. Well, the microbiome has been a remarkable discovery and how it influences health controllable through our diet. Well, joining us today to discuss this issue is Dr. William Davis. Dr. Davis is a renowned cardiologist, author of the Wheat Belly books, including Wheat Belly Cookbook, Wheat Belly 30 Minutes or Less, and Wheat Belly Total Health. He has penned the new book, Super Gut, a four-week plan to reprogram your microbiome, restore health, and lose weight. Dr. Davis, thanks so much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Oh, great to be here. Certainly our pleasure. It's a fascinating book you've put together here, Super Gut, which you talk about how our microbiome is influencing our health. I'm curious why you decided to put this book together. Well, as you point out, I've had a decade of dabbling in this wheat belly experience where we removed this creation of modern agribusiness and genetics research called wheat. We take it out of the diet. We couple it with some uh, nutrients that are lacking in modern life, like magnesium. You know, we all drink filtered water by necessity, of course, because we don't want sewage and farm runoff. And so we filter water, but that removes all magnesium. So we supplement magnesium. We don't get enough vitamin D because we live indoors. We wear clothes. It covers a lot of body surface area. And we replace those handful of nutrients and couple it with the diet, and magnificent things happen. People lose 48 pounds. Type 2 diabetics often become non-diabetic. Many health conditions recede. But not all health conditions receded 100%. For instance, somebody might say, I lost 53 pounds on the program, but I have another 30 to go and I'm stuck. I plateaued. Or somebody with type 2 diabetes has dropped their, say, hemoglobin A1C, that measure of long-term blood sugar, from an awful 11.8% down to maybe 5.9%. But they're stuck there. They can't get down that last uh, 0.9% down to 5.0% or less where all the risks of diabetes and high blood sugars dissolves. So I looked for answers in the microbiome, and lo and behold, I found some very impressive and powerful answers in the microbiome. Your book really goes into that. You talk about evolving notion of how the human microbiome is affecting our health and how it's changed over time. You're exactly right. For many, many years, for all throughout human history, it was thought that the microbiome, particularly the microbes that live in the human GI tract, were just a curiosity. They had no role in health. In fact, you took an antibiotic, gave you diarrhea, and that was the end of the story. We were, in other words, this very important uh, essential organ. Uh, we were just throwing bombs at it and not paying any attention to it. And this was a big, big mistake. But now the science is unfolding to tell us that modern people have lost very important, crucial species that were doing important things for human health and in their place many unhealthy microbes have taken their place. So the, the, the dark side of this is so many people have proliferation of unhealthy species. In fact, many of us have it in all 30 feet of the GI tract. 
These are essentially stool microbes like E. coli and Klebsiella and Citrobacter. Uh, they have ascended up into the small bowel where they're not supposed to be. And even more interestingly, the small bowel has a very delicate single layer mucus barrier. Unlike the colon where microbes are supposed to stay, where there's a very strong dual two layer mucus barrier. So when these microbes, these stool species get up into the small bowel, they're able to penetrate across the very delicate mucus barrier and their breakdown products, because now we have 30 feet of microbes turning over rapidly. They only live for minutes to hours. So rapid turnover, trillions of microbes shedding their debris, some of which gets into the bloodstream. That's a very important process called endotoxemia, described by a Belgian group in 2007, finally validating this idea of intestinal leak. But it explains how microbes in the GI tract can be experienced as rosacea or psoriasis on the skin or as Alzheimer's dementia or depression in the brain, or as the joint pain and swelling of rheumatoid arthritis or fibromyalgia. In fact, I would argue that virtually all modern human disease has to be redefined in light of this connection, either as a cause or as a fact that worsens it. What types of bacteria appear to be most affected through our uh, modern lifestyle, and how do we know these are essential? Do we have any kind of evidence of what a good microbiome should look like? We do, but not all missing species. It's hard to identify things that are lacking, right? <laughs> Just fingering the things that are bad. But let me tell you about my favorite microbe of all. There's a long list of microbes that we can identify and we can replace and watch what happens. But one of, the, one of my favorites is Lactobacillus reuteri. R-E-U-T-E-R-I, named after the German microbiologist who discovered this in the 1960s, Dr. Gerhard Reuter. Well, this microbe has been lost by over 90% of Americans, and it was a very important microbe. So when we restore this microbe, wonderful things happen. There's a boost in oxytocin, in the hormone oxytocin from the brain, and that causes people to like other people better. It causes you be more affectionate towards your spouse, towards your family. It makes you like your coworkers better and be less annoyed by them. It causes you to introduce yourself to strangers in line for coffee at Starbucks. So a, a whole long list of emotional and social effects. Of course, putting aside the pandemic, at a time of record-setting social isolation, depression, uh, suicide, and divorce. So we restore oxytocin. It changes the way people deal with other people. They make you like other people better. But there's also physical effects. There's an acceleration of healing. There's an increase, the ladies love it because there's an increase in dermal collagen, which makes them lose their wrinkles starting at about eight weeks. And then there's a restoration of youthful muscle and strength. We all lose about a third of our muscle and strength as we get older. It comes back, particularly if you combine it with some strength training. There's a uh, deeper sleep. I'm a chronic insomniac. I, I have a hard time sleeping. I, watching TV, reading books at three in the morning, I now sleep straight through nine hours, deep like a kid, vivid, colorful dreams. It turns off appetite, it amps up the immune system. And this is just one microbe, the power of one microbe. There's many others. Now, what we do, though, is we don't just get the microbe. We get the microbe. And we typically get these things in very small numbers, and numbers are power with microbes. So what I did was... I made it into a fermented food. It looks like yogurt, tastes like yogurt. It's not yogurt, but it kind of looks like yogurt. And we do it, we ferment it for 36 hours. And when, when we perform flow cytometry, a way to count microbes, 
We're getting around 250 to 260 billion counts of microbes in a half cup serving. You eat this yogurt, uh, or it doesn't have to be dairy, it could be something else, but dairy is so easy to use. You get all these effects, the uh, muscle, smoother skin, deeper sleep, um, uh, liking other people better. Is there a way to tell if you're lacking in this microbe? There are ways, but there's only, so you may know about stool testing where they can check for various microbes, good microbes, bad microbes. There's only a couple platforms though that drill down so fine. They can say something like, you have 0.2% lactobacillus rotari DSM-1793, <laughs> something like that. There's only a couple of platforms that allow that drill down that far. Unfortunately, stool testing is still kind of still kind of early. A lot of platforms only test to genus, not species, not strain. So if this was lactobacillus rotari, and forgive me for these strain numbers, but DSM-17938, uh, lactobacillus is the genus, rotari is the species, and the 17938 is the, is the strain. Um, some testing services don't go beyond genus. So if they just say you have lactobacillus, well, is that rotari or is that acidophilus or is it bulgaricus? Because those are completely different microbes with different effects. And so it's hard to know. But the, the uh, way to remedy this is so benign and accessible, make yogurt, not the stuff in the store. One of the problems we have with the way yogurt is made commercially is that you know that microbes don't have sexual reproduction. Of course, they have asexual reproduction. One microbe becomes two, two becomes four, et cetera. Well, rotari tends to double in about two to three hours. So if you ferment as they do in commercial yogurt production for four hours, you really don't get anything in the way of, of an increased count. And that's why they add things like you'll see in the label gel and gum xanthan gum, guar gum, thickening agents, because the bacteria and their metabolites aren't there to thicken the end, end result. So we're going to ferment for 12 doublings, 36 hours, and that's why we get those hundreds of billions of counts. And by the way, it's thick, rich, and delicious. Add some blueberries. Now, we, I, I view microbes, the missing microbes, kind of like going to a restaurant. And the waitress hands you a menu, you don't freak out and say, there's no way I can order all these appetizers and main dishes and desserts, right? You pick and choose the dishes you want. Same thing here. You can pick and choose the microbes that are lacking for the effect you want. So if you want smoother skin, deeper sleep, uh, and restoration of youthful muscle and strength, ferment lactobacillus rotari as yogurt. If you want a healthier baby who sleeps through the night, uh, has fewer bowel movements, fewer diaper changes, has a higher IQ later on, has less asthma, less irritable bowel syndrome, let's ferment bifidobacteria infantis. If you want, if you're an athlete or you exercise really hard or have hard physical work and you want to have less muscle ache and you want to recover faster, let's, let's ferment bacillus coagulans, strain of bacillus coagulans. You can essentially order up the effect you want and then amplify the numbers of those microbes by things such as yogurt, eat the yogurt and you get these effects. Are there other approaches to promoting the growth of these types of bacteria in terms of the diet? Sure. So you can ferment coconut milk, that is canned the thicker coconut milk. I have got some hummus fermenting on my kitchen counter right now. I've got some apple cider fermenting using uh, Saccharomyces boulardii, which is a fungus. That, that's a good thing for your listeners to know about. I take apple cider, <clears throat> not apple juice, but apple cider, the cloudy stuff. Uh, make sure there's no preservatives like potassium sorbate. 
and then add a capsule of a commercial product called Floristore. I have no connection with the company. Uh, Floristore, and it contains a few billion counts of uh, Saccharomyces boulardii, which is a, a fungus that's a cousin of the Saccharomyces cerevisiae used to ferment beer and wine and sourdough bread. We're going to take its cousin that's adapted to the human body, Saccharomyces boulardii, empty a capsule into the cider, cap it lightly, because you'll see within 24 hours, so much carbon dioxide is produced, you'll see it bubbling. So you don't want the, the, the jar to explode. So cap it lightly, because let the CO2 get out of it. And after 48 hours, you have effervescent cider that has very little sugar left, because the fungus converted it to um, other metabolites. And it's delicious, and it's a wonderful way to increase the numbers of those microbes. And you sip it, and it's excellent. It has both probiotic and prebiotic properties. That is, it feeds bacteria. Does the replacement of these good microbes, do they then start to outcompete the bad ones? Well, the Saccharomyces boulardii shifts that balance. I wouldn't say this is all you have to do. There are other things you can do. Uh, you, fermented foods in other forms, like kimchi and kombucha and fermented meats, um, uh, fermented sauerkraut, fermenting veggies on your counter. This should be a no-cost process, essentially. It's very easy to do. That's probably among the most important things you can do. Other things you want to do is to be aware of the things around us that are disrupting the microbiome. Try to minimize your exposure to antibiotics. There's a time and place, right? If you have pneumococcal pneumonia and you can't breathe and you got a fever 104, you need an antibiotic. But you don't need antibiotics just in case it becomes a viral illness becomes a bacterial illness, which is a very common and inappropriate use of antibiotics. Over half of antibiotics prescribed are prescribed inappropriately. Most of us by age 40 have taken 30 courses of antibiotics. So minimize antibiotics whenever possible as permitted by availability and your budget. Try to get organic foods that don't have less likelihood of carrying herbicide and pesticide residues. I would avoid GMOs because they're filled with glyphosate, which is an herbicide, but is also a very potent antibiotic. Uh, also BT toxin and GMOs. So there's a list uh, of things you can do to minimize the disruption, ongoing disruption. Fermented foods take front and center uh, role in restoring microbes. People think that probiotics are the most, they're not the most important because modern commercial, the current crop of commercial probiotics are crafted very haphazardly. Now it's getting better. There's a handful of new products where they're weaving some more wisdom in, such as restoring important keystone species, uh, like plankton in the ocean. Without plankton, you don't have whales or jellyfish. So plankton perform a keystone or foundational role. The same kind of principle applies to microbes in the human GI tract. You want to replace those keystone species. And by the way, rotari is one of them. Infantis is another one. You also want to be aware that there's an emerging science that microbes collaborate in communities, just like humans. And so there are some products where they actually looked at this and give you communities of microbes that have even bigger effects. So right now, probiotics are, do help, but they're not as helpful as they could be. So the fermented foods uh, take a role front and center. We also add prebiotic fibers and other factors that nourish microbes. It's a very helpful thing to do. And this is just from food, legumes, root vegetables, onions, shallots, garlic, uh, asparagus, uh, dandelion greens, a long list of foods you want to include, I think, in every meal so that you're nourishing the microbes. Because if you don't nourish them, really crazy stuff happens.
for instance, there's a microbe called acromancia. You feed it with these fibers and it stays happy and it does good things for you, like protect your mucus barrier and help other microbes. If you fail to take in those fibers and nutrients that nourish bacteria, acromancia is a little odd. It has the added capacity to consume human mucus, the mucus barrier of your intestines. It's real, its full name is acromancia mucinophila, mucus lover. And it comes to dominate the microbiome and it starts to erode your GI tract. You get colitis, you get entry of bacterial breakdown products like endotoxemia into the bloodstream. So it exports these inflammatory effects to your skin, to your brain, to your insulin response, to your liver has a whole long, so you want to keep these microbes, even though most people aren't even aware they're there, you got to feed these guys. How much of these ideas are starting now to percolate more broadly and attacking this issue? Well, I would say read my book because there's a lot, a lot of things to do here, but just as I said, well, think of your microbiome as a backyard garden. So you plot out a 10 by 10 spot, you pick out the weeds and stones, you prepare the soil, then you plant seeds. And then through the growing season, you water and fertilize your garden. The end of the season, you've got a bounty of tomatoes and zucchini and cucumbers. Same kind of principles apply to your microbiome. We're going to prepare the soil, meaning we're going to remove things that disrupt it. This includes food additives like emulsifying agents like carboxymethylcellulose and polysorbate 80, synthetic sweeteners and diet sodas like aspartame. We're going to try to minimize our exposure to other prescription drugs like the anti-inflammatory drugs, statin drugs, antidepressants. These all disrupt the human microbiome. Then we plant seeds. The most important seeds are those fermented foods and maybe a little contribution from a commercial probiotic, as well as those uh, fermented foods we add, like the yogurts. And then we feed those, we water and fertilize or feed these creatures with those prebiotic fibers, polysaccharides, and related things. And this is a, the process we follow. It's extremely powerful. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens over weeks to months because we're undoing the damage we've done over decades. Sadly, you know, if you go to the doctor, the doctor should be an expert in nutrition, nutrients, and the microbiome and resort to pharmaceuticals and procedures when they fail, when those early those initial efforts fail. That's not how it works in healthcare, right? Healthcare is all about pharmaceuticals and procedures, and there's almost no mention, no insight, no knowledge of real nutrition, nutrients, and the microbiome. So this is something that people have to take into their own hands but recognize just what an incredible, powerful world the microbiome can be. We were just talking to Dr. William Davis. He's the author of the new book, Super Gut, a four-week plan to reprogram your microbiome, restore health, and lose weight. Dr. Davis, thank you so much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.groks.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking. <laughs>